I said, Pastor, I'm sitting and listening to you talk, and it's like I'm the only one in the audience, and you're talking just to me. And I said, I feel selfish. It's like you're doing this just for me. And uh, I'm going, and Pastor Al says, no, Jimmy, that's Jesus talking through me. Yeah. Welcome to Stories I Didn't Tell last Sunday. I'm Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church, and joining me today is Pastor Al Charche. Uh, he's our next step pastor here at Journey, as well as he's our pastor who leads Celebrate Recovery. And our special guest today is Jimmy Hedrick, who is a local golf pro, literally a golf legend in Louisiana. Jimmy, we're just honored to have you here today. Thank you, Pastor. So excited. I want to tell a little bit about your story, and then we'll just have a conversation about golf, about your family, about Mm -hmm. your testimony. And I want people just to hear what God has done in your life. And just tell the story and give honor to Jesus. But right now you're a a golf pro, and you're the director of the U.S. Kids Tour. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Yes, I'm... I'm a Class A PGA professional. I'm 47 years now in the PGA. That sounds like a long time, wow. doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yes, I'm tour director for U.S. Kids Golf. Uh, we're the Gulf Coast Tour, one of 70 tours in the United States. And we work between Mobile and, and Lafayette. I do 24 tournaments a year. I do a parent-child and I do a national tournament. It's 26 total events a year. And then um, that keeps me busy. And it's something I love. Uh, in 2019, I was actually the tour director of the year for the United States. Um, That's incredible. Well, it's, it's doing something you I love. I saw a list of your awards. You have won, like, every golf award possible. Well. How do you do that, man? I mean, what a life. I, I think it gets down truly to yeah. doing something you love. Yeah. And I love what I do. Well, some of the awards that you won, and I'm going to embarrass you because I know you don't like talking about it, but let's just put it out there. I think the first one was important. When I came to New Orleans out of college, I knew no one, knew yeah. one person. And to be Louisiana Prince of the Year was yeah. to have my foot in the water not knowing anyone. That That's was a big, big award. It was. Yeah. yeah. I went on at age 33. Um, Several good things started happening. I, I was at Lakewood Country Club where we had the PGA Tour event. And then out fair, I went to, uh, I was the youngest Class A head golf professional in Louisiana at 25 at Colonial Country Club. It was a 600-member club at the time. And then I went to Bo Shin and, and at 26, and we were the number one ranked golf course in Louisiana. Mm. Some pretty heady stuff from, from yeah. me at that time. I became the youngest president of Louisiana PGA at, at, at in my early 30s the awards that came were you know professional of the year a few times um junior golf development award recipient twice for our gulf states pga um that went on to become i'm the only person in louisiana to receive a national award by the pga and i received in 2008 the pga of america national award for youth golf development In 2010, I was inducted into the first year of eligibility into our Gulf States PGA Hall of Fame and numerous other awards. I've been four times a Distinguished Service Award recipient through um, the Louisiana Golf Association, the the New Orleans Sports Hall of Fame Foundation, uh, the Kelly Gibson Foundation, um, the Dr. John and Helen Moore Award in memory of Tommy, who was um, number one ranked junior golfer in the world. And uh, the recent was the uh, Louisiana PGA Distinguished Service Award. Those awards are special because they're given to you. 
they're given to you by there's only a couple. Yeah. Inter- uh, inter- interestingly enough, I came in second for every single one of those, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I was so close. Every there. single one of those you mentioned. <laughs> well, what's those? I'm just not in the books. <laughs> Pastor Al, you're a champion. You got honorable book. mentions. Of all of those. No, you're the man. Yeah. The, uh, and uh, what's special about those awards, you're, they're given to you by your peers. Yeah. And uh, when your peers recognize your, what you're doing for the good of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, too, I'm president of a foundation in memory of my son. This is important to me. We, this year will be year 30 mm-hmm. and uh, in memory of Colin. And my assistant pro lost his son, Barry, and timing was I lost Eastover due to Katrina. And Tim was at Money Hill as a head professional. He said, look, I'll take care of everything. Mm. I'll do all the fundraising. Don't worry about a thing, Jimmy. And I said, I'll worry about one thing. We're going to change the name. Mm. It's now the Barry Collin BC Cup Award. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to say that in those number of years, we've given 93 college scholarships. Right now, about $340,000. And to see these, this, these dollars work and see these generational kids come up to you, from 25 years ago and say thank you um that's keeps me going so um you know giving back is kind of goes hand in hand with the nature of being a pga golf professional and being involved in youth is really what i do i have done the country club route when Katrina came, I'd, I'd been the director of golf, you know, at Beauchene. That was 36 holes, east over 36 holes. But when Katrina came, I had to reinvent myself. And um, you may have heard of this organization. It's called the First T. The chief of police who had retired was running it. He moved to Montgomery and said, Jimmy, will you take it over? And it had been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And we took it over to the highest level in the United States. And I left that organization with $200,000 in the bank. Wow. So... It's all about networking and getting key people involved in the community involved because this is for children who are at risk. Yeah. And um, so that's um, and, and that's kind of an overview of um, yeah. what I've done. You have a lifetime of achievement, and anybody looking at Jimmy's life from the outside would think you lived a charmed life and everything has worked out good for you, but they don't know what was going on inside of you. Yeah, and behind we, the scenes. Yeah, it was a battle. Yeah, um, a real battle in, in my life. You mentioned uh, something about your son Colin, and I don't, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but sure, I don't know, Jimmy, if there's um, a a worse thing that can happen or something. Well, there was as a few, bad as losing a child can happen to a person. Well, I got hit pretty hard early on yeah. with um, the, the passenger in my automobile was killed. And I was a driver. Okay, this was even before you 1971. Lost college, yeah. Well, tell us about that then. Well, I was, we were going to a concert, no alcohol, everything's good, we're safe. Yeah. A friend of mine said, Look, I got a friend who wants to go with us on the concert. I had never met her. Yeah. He sat in the back seat, she sat in the front. We're going down Highway 51 around Goodman, Mississippi. We're heading to Memphis. And a car, Car t- a, bus, a truck turns and bus turns left into me, hits her side. I mm. wake up in an ambulance. Two or three days later, I realize that she's she's she lost her life. Oh God, that was tragic. Um, and I I, re- I can relate to the mother. I think I can. Uh, her pain, because yeah. she would call our house all the time and call me a murderer, <sighs> and that was painful to me. But yet at the same time, I can empathize with it. Mm. And you try to put all that behind you and compartmentalize it 
yet you really never do. How old were you when the accident I was happened? 17. So you were a child yourself. I was too young. Yeah. Um, would I let my 17-year-old go to Memphis in a car? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, probably no. not. No. Yeah, but, but it's a different uh, world. But, you know, yeah. it was, um, that was my first, yeah. and my dad had abuse issues too, and, you know, we just kind of overlooked that. He was in a, he got, you know, sadly he got caught up in prescription medication and uh, got addicted, and, you know, living through that, the irony and the story will carry on a little later I said, I never want to be like that. Yeah. And I became that. Wow. My son passed away in 1987. He died in the arms of our babysitter. I'm in Florida at the PGA Merchandise Show. The pastor from our church calls us, and um, that was tough. And so um, you know, I'm dealing with that. And, and before— and that's your second child, right? Yeah. And, yes, sir. And right about that same time, my best friend was killed in a plane crash. I mean, my very best friend. Mm. My dad died in 1884. My mother died the same year my son died. And mm. that, they were both young, 51 and 50. Mm. So I'm getting all these layers of... That's when things started really going. So we're... Um, later on, my second, my third son, Jacob, was in Children's Hospital. He, was, he had a really bad case of pneumonia. He was at East Jefferson. They took him by ambulance to Children's Hospital, and he's in guarded condition. I have a breakdown in the hospital there, mm-hmm. and they brought in a psychiatrist. And, and the thought of losing your second child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's still there. I know, right? Um, she said, you need help. Yeah. I, I couldn't get help. I'm Jimmy Hedrick. Yeah. That pride issue and worried about being typecast as a mental case was more mm. than I could do. Yeah. So I turned to alcohol yeah. as my way out, which was truly the wrong way. And then uh, my addiction, when Katrina came, you know, we lost, I, I speak for many of our people who may watch this. We lost everything. We lost our home. I lost the golf course. And I lost, uh, I was coaching position at U and the University of New Orleans, and they dropped eight sports. So uh, I had to start over. And at, during this time, my doctor, you know, he prescribed Xanax, and mm-hmm. I got addicted to that. Right. And I was. So you had uh, alcohol already addicted it to, and then mm-hmm. they, they, you layered it, it on with that. Yeah. And wow. I said, and it's a, it's a spiral. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how to get off of it. Yeah. Uh, I was on Xanax for, I was listening to a documentary on James Taylor, who was addicted to heroin, 17 years. Yeah. And I'm going, wow, here I am at 16. Yeah. And you're functional at yeah. best. And yeah. you have bad days, too, but you're numb to the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the pain is compartmentalized through medication and through alcohol. Yeah. And I just, uh, uh, it, it just kept spiraling and getting worse and worse. And it's... um. When you're an addict, you hurt a lot of people. Yeah. Um, my poor wife, what she's been through. The damage is there. It's a healing process. Mm-hmm. That's a, a big job for me now. Yeah. Is taking care of that. So, Jimmy, you have layers over decades with mm-hmm. the car accident when you right. were 17, mm-hmm. lost a son in... You know, when you're in yeah. your thirties, you lost your mom, your dad, mm-hmm. then your best friend. All this just layered became, yeah. you know. 
When in 2010 I was in Baza Pedestrian walking across the street in New Orleans, I was down by Girard going to the main library, and they were having a New Orleans Saints uh, scrimmage game, and, and a police officer driving a Hummer in uniform. I'm in the green light, and uh, he hit me. Oh, wow. And, um, I mean, I'm going, I'm in the air. Yeah. This was... This made this one channel TV six radio, and I'll tell you a reason why. Is because the officer didn't tell the truth. Mm. I think, you know, you know, I think I see things clearly. How God, Jesus comes into your life, and this happened here. Yeah. So here, I my neighbor comes across the street to see how I'm doing, and he works at that post office. Mm-hmm. And I say, Jimmy, I've got video of that. Do you want it? So we sent up to McLean, Virginia, to the Freedom of Information Act, and got a copy of that, and it shows everything. Oh, wow. And there was a cover-up going on within the in, in the police department. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. And um, but then it was at that point that I got professional help, mm-hmm. and I went to uh, Tulane Medical. Um, I was diagnosed, and he's the one that told me, Jimmy, you got to deal with your anger. Go on television. Go on radio. Yeah. Tell your story. And I did. And um, but it was that time I was diagnosed with what's called complex post-traumatic stress disorder, and okay. complex means it's, it's layered. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, I, I I was still dealing with addiction. So the layers were the accident, the loss of your son, the loss of your parents, all the way up to the, the, the you know the getting hurricane, hit by the police the police then, car. That was a traumatic event in itself. Yeah. Uh, Any one of those could have. The way, you know, they stick in two IVs in your arms. You're in an ambulance and you're going to the university. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going on. Right. You know, you're. They think I have a skull fracture, yeah. and uh, that led to me having to have a hip replacement and back surgery. Yeah. So there were later on repercussions from that. Yeah. And you come out of all of this with an addiction to alcohol and Xanax, mm-hmm. and you were just functioning, not really living your life. Correct. Um, addiction. It's criminal, yeah, because it takes from you. Yeah. It robs you of your life. It, it spares you. no one. It takes no prisoners either. Don't yeah. think you're going to get around addiction. It's going to yeah. get you in the end. Yeah, it got me. Yeah, and then um, it, it got me good yeah. to a point where I, I had to wake up in the morning. What yeah. am I going to do? Yeah, and I wasn't a social drinker. I was medicating. Yeah. I'm hiding in parking lots, yeah. drinking beer. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to tell the story. Hopefully, it'll help somebody. Yeah. But I was in a I was in a bad way, and it's and what's really bad is have your family see you like this, yeah. and then the public see a shell of that. Yeah, it's a it's a terrible place to be. Yeah, and then good things started happening. Good things started happening. Um, a gentleman in my neighborhood named Mike Roca. Um, Mike goes to Journey here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I was at that surrender phase, maybe, mm-hmm. or helpless phase. Or, right. or, I can't do it anymore. When was this, you and Mike? This was not 2021. Oh, just a over a year ago? Yeah. yeah. 13 months ago? This is how quick all this came on. Okay. And don't think you can be, but you can be born again yeah. at any age. Yeah. Don't think you can't. I'm, li- it, I'm, I'm living, I'm living <laughs> proof. Uh, Mike story. looked at me and just looked me straight in the eye and said, you're not in a good place, are you? Oh, man. You don't look good. So he was he was downstairs washing his car. You were walking your dog. Well, I stopped to car, admire car the car. Was parked out. And it's a yeah. beautiful, I love vehicle, old cars. I love yeah. history, and yeah, I love your car. Yeah, and we just started talking. 
And he said, yeah, you don't look good. Yeah. And the first time in my prideful life, I said, you know, you're right. That's surrender. Totally. Yeah. And, and it gets better. And he, right there on the spot, he calls Pastor out. Oh, he calls Pastor out. Right on the spot. Right Man, he, there. I think, would, I think he noticed that you had already been drinking. He could tell. And it yeah. was early in the morning. Yeah. And so he it could was tell. Before, it was before yeah. noon. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was on my way. So it's like a Tuesday at well, 11 o'clock. Well, you know, o'clock. It, it, <laughs> and so yeah. it's spiraling now. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, this addiction just keeps going down. Yeah. And like I said, it's going to get you. Yeah. To think I went this long to finally, I said, I'm done. Yeah. I, I can't go on anymore. Mm. And then I went Did in you to talk s- to Al on the phone? No, but I went in to see him. Oh, you came to see him? Wow. Drunk again. Oh, really? You came to yeah. see him drunk? So, so I don't know if we talked that day. But we did talk. We did talk by the phone once, and yeah. you said, "I'm going to come see you in the morning. I can't stay, right. but I'm going to come in and see you." On I that would say what that was for. That was my pride. Yeah, I could have stayed. Yeah, I was too ashamed to stay. Yeah, I wasn't able to let that go. Mm. Well, I, I was. I was just surprised that you actually came because I knew you had been drinking when we spoke I on could, the phone. I could have come. Yeah. yeah, but I was too prideful to stay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want people to see me. I'm high, I'm living a double life. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm lying to myself. I'm lying to the world. Well, I was impressed just with the fact that you came. You said, "Pastor, I'm going to come because I want to meet you face to face." Yes. And you came that Sunday morning. You asked for me at guest services, and you, we, you ran into an old friend when you came in as well that you didn't uh, know. R.J. Attaway. Yeah. And R.J. and I go way back. His daddy's in the trophy business. Me being a golf professional at a country club, we right. ordered all our trophies. Yeah. And matter of fact, Ronnie, his daddy. Until he moved from Chalmette to Mandeville, supplied our until Katrina supplied all our trophies for free. Mm. So that's the kind of guy R.J. comes from. Yeah. A great guy. Yeah. And then, um, so I got a trip to go up to uh, South Carolina to uh, U.S. Kids and National Tournament well, to serve let's, as a let's director. Re- let's rewind a bit, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. Because you came in that morning and um, and you asked someone at guest services for me, uh-huh. and I came out and. Um, I could tell you weren't right. Right. And you said you had to go to work. You couldn't stay. But you said, Pastor, I wanted to meet you. I told you that we would we would meet. And as I said a moment ago, to, to me, just the simple fact that you were willing to do that. Now, you may you have pride yes. issues, and you probably could have stayed, and you chose not to. But there was still something working. Right. There was still something within you that at least compelled you enough to come in that Sunday morning and meet me face to face. And I think that little bit of spark... Mm-hmm. That little bit of a flame, you know, is what we were able to work with to get you to where you are right now, where you're oh. on fire for Jesus 13 months later. No you know? doubt about it. We, know, we start where we're at, I guess, is know, my you, point. Uh, you so you, you, could, you could look to yourself and say, and immediately you want to look at the wrong things. I left. I could have stayed. I didn't. I was prideful. And all those things are true. But I choose to say, hey, there was something good going on within you that Mm -hmm. day. And we want to start with where you're at. And anybody else who's uh, out there watching right now, that's what we're looking for. We want to start with where you're at. I'm not looking for you to have it all figured out. You may have pride. You may have a whole host of issues going on. But we just want to, just like with Jimmy, we want to meet you where you're at. That's what Jesus did with each and every one of us. You know, you hear this cliche, but denial is real. You know, you don't want to admit you've got a real problem. But when things with Mike came along, I'm thinking, this is way, it's like a guardian angel was saying, is talking to me. Jesus is talking to me through that day. Mm -hmm. This is where you need to go. Mm. 
So um, you started coming that it, following it, Monday, it, and it gets better. I mean, it gets worse, really, a little bit worse. Because then I um, I go to South Carolina, and I said, "Well, I'm going to just quit everything." Well, that was the worst thing to do. You yeah. don't do, you do not quit Xanax, cold turkey. I'm sitting in another state by in yourself. another state, <laughs> and I'm I could not even make it to the golf course. Oh. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was in total withdrawal. I'm, I could not keep anything down. I get back home. I go to the doctor. My, for anybody viewing it, has had kidney issues. My GFR was 11. Mm. Kidney failure That's is kidney 20 failure, or below. Right. Yeah. I go to the hospital for every day afterwards to get it back up. Drinking water. Went to 19, 23, 29, 43. Got up to 60. And, and I have prostate cancer, but it, it's under control. I mean, I'm, I'm low grade. I'm in my fifth year. And my cancer doctor, Dr. Sarter, who's just, I told me this, this week, he says I'm being transferred to the Mayo Clinic. He told me in a text, Jimmy, you're out of the woods. Mm. I've never heard that before, out of the woods. Real quick. So um, I went to my nephrologist and he said, Jimmy, um, you're normal. Mm. And he says, it's short of amazing for someone this age to go from here to here. I don't see it very often. Wow. And now I'm starting to think, Mike Rocha, the kidney improvement, there's mm. something working here. Yeah, I think Jesus is touching your life. Yes. And then it, it starts with coming to celebrate recovery and, um, and pastor out. So I come and I sit in the same place every week. I try to make every Monday. I, I, there's some key people I'd like to recognize at this time uh, who held my hand along the early days. I would be Jimmy Sharp and Sal Judice. Mm. Wonderful people. And um, Alex Moore, Dennis Bush. I don't know if I can say their names, but uh, yeah. but they they carried me along the way. Yeah. It's something when you do it a 12-step program and you do it with Jesus Christ-centered and you're dealing with people who've been down your road yeah. and are trying. I admire anybody who comes to celebrate recovery yeah. because they want something. Some of them have to be there, and that's good too. Yeah. But um, then that's where the story started in my recovery. Um, so here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in celebrate recovery, and Pastor can he kind of he kind of got me straight on this. I said, Pastor, I'm sitting in listening to you talking it's like i'm the only one in the audience and you're talking just to me and i said i feel selfish it's like you're doing this just for me (laughs) and uh i'm going and pastor al says nah jimmy that's jesus talking through me yeah and um and it just kept getting um and i started growing with the word Mm -hmm. i was what you'd call a punch your ticket christian Mm. If it looked good, I did it. Mm. Keep up appearances type guy. But this is different. Yeah. This is this is getting into the core. Yeah. It's a it's a good ride. It's uh to come to terms with, with who you are. And and you and the and the word how pastor says through the through the Bible and how it ties in with addiction. It's, it's a miracle. So Jimmy, what, 
So, if you don't mind, what share your favorite Bible verse from Second Corinthians? Oh yeah, it's Second Corinthians. Oh, definitely. Um, so here I am, pastors. You know, I'm just talking to me, and up on the screen, he's got three screens: the big one in the middle, and the two. And there's this one that comes up. It's Second Corinthians five seventeen. <laughs> I'm going. Here he goes again. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can start new again, and whatever happened before is gone. Yeah. And I'm going, that's me. Yeah. That's what I want to live. Right. And it's amazing how that biblical passage stayed in my mind. Hmm. I mean, it's, to this day, I'll, yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. But, you know, it's up there on the screen, and yeah. it stuck with me. Yeah. That, that, that hit me. Yeah. And... Um, but there's so many stories uh, of good and getting to meet so many wonderful people. And, and to, um, so when you go to celebrate recovery, it, it's, you know, you get to hear wonderful. Ezra does a great job. I enjoy seeing his work and his love for what he does. And, and to see the people come up who've accomplished things. Yeah. And for us to recognize. And that, even like you said, like Pastor said, the first day chip, that blue one is it's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. And then to see 30 days. And, you know, and I had a lot to prove with my home life. Um, is this a fad? Am I just doing this to... Yeah. No, I wasn't doing it for that. Yeah. I was doing it to save my life, yeah. to save my family, and find a new walk. That The other walks were not working, mm. not working at all for me. And for me to find that walk and to live it, it's a, it's a true gift. And then... Um, can I interrupt for a moment, Please. Jimmy? Yes. Because I remember when you f- first started to ask, like, what I would consider deeper questions, questions that weren't simply surface level. I remember, like, almost within the first, I'd say, six weeks or so, it was like something that you weren't coming for another reason, that something had definitely shifted. And then when you shared your favorite verse, that the old, behold, the old had passed away and the new had come, and that you were embracing this idea of, of being a new creation in Christ, it was as if um, the lights were finally turned on, yes. that you had been walking in the darkness, and now all of a sudden you understood what it, what it meant to be in the light. So as Jesus was doing what only he could do in your heart, you responded by doing what only we can do in the natural. And you said, hey, I came almost every Monday. I would venture to say you came every Monday, and the one or two that you didn't come, you told me ahead of time that you weren't going to be there. Correct. Uh, so, it- so yeah, Jesus was starting something new. But give yourself credit. As you mentioned, Jimmy Sharp, and as you mentioned, Dennis and Alex, I really think it's important to, to mention the fact that you showed up. Yes. You showed up. You didn't have you didn't have everything figured out. You didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but you kept showing up. And I think I, that's I important. I didn't know where it was going to take me. Amen. When you're early into this, into recovery and into becoming a born-again Christian— I wouldn't. I think again, it's not a good term. Being born as a Christian, the true way. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's an amazing thing. And then I started seeing another side of Jesus that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And when we talked earlier, mm-hmm. it was accidental. I get another award, and I'm going. You know, I I, I don't. I can do something here. I can go to Kevin, who's a friend of mine, and see 
publisher of the Slidell Independent. He's a Christian. I know Kevin, known him for many years. And um, I said, Kevin, this is what I'd like to do. Yes, I've received an award, but there's something going on special at Journey and something going on special at Celebrate Recovery that maybe I'd like to share. And that lit a lit a light under Kevin. And, and so that, he wanted to to originally he wanted he wanted to interview you about the re, most recent golf award, right? And you chose rather than to give the spotlight to some award and accomplishment that you made, you wanted to put the attention upon what Jesus had been doing through CR in your life. I saw the opportunity. Amen. I saw the opportunity that maybe this story needs to be told. I'm no longer prideful. I'm st- my, I, I think I'm not. Sure. Uh, that it, this message means a lot more than if someone judges me in a mm-hmm. wrong way, mm-hmm. Pastor. I, I, nah. This is more important. There's something going on, changing in my life that's big. Yeah. And I, and I want to share it. And then um, it was... Not to get too far ahead, but when I went to South Carolina again, Pastor gave me, Pastor Al, the audio version of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful. And also on your phone, you can read it while yeah. he's talking. This guy's got a voice from perfect. You listening to the U version? Tell, tell yes. Pastor, uh, yeah. tell him how many books of the Bible you've listened to since you went to South Carolina two weeks ago. Well, it's 27 total. I've probably only gotten into about eight because I listened to John three times. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, so he's listened to like 12 chapters of the Bible in the last two weeks since, yeah. since he's found out about the... Yeah. And so I'm listening to John, and I, I told Pastor Al, I said, maybe I'm a small version of when Paul talked to Timothy. You know, maybe he's training me to be something bigger than myself, to go out into the is. world. Yeah. And then, so what happened was, um, so Pastor, I'm reading about glorifying Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, wow. When that newspaper story came out, I wasn't even aware of that. Hmm. But I guess I was doing that. You were. And you're aware, but you were exactly. Yes, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And then another thing happened. I said, I got to see what's going on downtown New Orleans, mm-hmm. the New Orleans mission. Yeah. So, Pastor Al, you know, Sal GDs, uh, Jimmy Sharp. First time we went down there, second time. It's amazing to see our people in there preaching the word to the homeless, the hopeless. Seeing Pastor Al in the middle of the, pulling people out for bad behavior, I mean it is. It is, and you got substitute people, and he's just he knows that it's it's, it's biblical what he's yeah. going through. Yeah, it's kind of like he's being attacked in a lot of ways, but he's in there fighting for the word, yeah. and uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but again, he's glorifying Jesus Christ. Yeah. He is. And I'm yeah. thinking, how many people would catch it? Well, look at me. I'm 68. It took me a long time, didn't it? Yeah. But Hey, it's never too late. Never. You can capture this late. moment and be new again, to yeah. breathe new air and to be aware. Uh, the peace of mind that comes with not being addicted is real. Yeah. I would pray that anybody that's on that path, um, it's never too late to say, hey, I need help. Yeah. Well, 
you know, because you were willing to share your story in the Slide All Independent, I had at least a dozen people, you know, call me, send me text messages, you know, curious if I knew about what was going on. And obviously you had spoken to me before the story came out and said, hey, Pastor, um, I want to give your name. I want to give I want to highlight the ministry and and what God has done here. So I knew the story was was going to come out. I had no idea it was going to be as in depth as it was. And I mean, it was it could have been sent straight from heaven as far as I was concerned. The way in which it, it detailed your some of your past trauma and some of your past experiences and how you gave glory to Jesus for helping you overcome those things. And then the practical way in which it occurred um, through Celebrate Recovery here. But I had at least a dozen people reach out to me, you know, texting me, calling me, hey, did you see this? Do you know this? So your story, that's just people who I personally knew who wanted to make sure I was aware of it. I can't imagine how many people were impacted by that story who knew you, who didn't know that aspect of your life. You know, at first, you know, I came in basically asked for permission. Can I do this? I want to do this. And you said, hey, please do it. Mm -hmm. Go for it. And the people who have contacted me um, that didn't know that side of me, but were proud of me. Yeah. And I was not really worried. I wasn't worried at the time. Maybe five, two years ago, yes, I'd been concerned that, oh, Jimmy Hedrick's an addict. He's an alcoholic, whatever. But when you're having this walk, it's not about me anymore. Yeah. It's what can I do to help somebody else. Yeah. And it's about glorifying this wonderful Jesus Christ and helping people through addiction. Yeah. And if you can help that person, you're helping more than one person. Yeah. You're helping a family. You're helping friends. Yeah. You're helping that person that may have been driving on the other side, uh, on the road, that got hit by that person. Right. You're impacting a potential a lot of people. Yeah. That's what I want to do. That's what the purpose is, the walk I have now. If I can go out and be a disciple mm-hmm. and share my story to anyone. It, it, well, you it, are that. It's not you know, if you and, are and, a and, disciple. And, and, uh, and the people who are having trouble, they know they can come now to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll talk to them any, any, any time. Uh, when, you, when you deal with people who have alcohol issues, are you getting help? I'm not, an, I'm not an authority on how to get help. I know how to get people to where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Come here. Go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your sobriety, your, your walk... Um, I think sobriety and a walk with Jesus Christ are, are, should be hand in hand, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and because it's too much on a person to think they can do it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's how addicted I was. Yeah, you were, you were making uh, your way the best you could through life with the help of alcohol and Xanax, mm-hmm. and you know, and it goes back to um, you know the car accident. And I want to spend a minute talking about Colin. If we sure. Could. I know Absolutely. there's people watching today who've lost children, and that is the absolute worst thing that a parent would ever have to face. Mm-hmm. And you, you and tragic. your wife faced that, you know. And yeah, we did. Yeah, and it, it cost you a lot. It did cost him. Little Colin, you know, he. It was you know to lose a child. I'm out of state. I'm in Florida to a PGA merchandise show. A pastor from our church calls me, and to find out he. Died in a choking accident with our babysitter. Uh, I went into depression deep. My wife, I think, my first wife, I think, maybe denial. And this is why this is very vital. If you lose a child, 
please know your marriage is in trouble. Yeah. No matter what you try to do, I try to do it by having more children. Yeah. I had um, I had Jacob and, and, and Jill after that, yeah. but I never got to the core of the problem. Mm-hmm. I tried to mask it with trying to mm-hmm. move on. But when you lose a child, a, a, a marriage, it can you can lose a marriage. I lost a marriage over that through my yeah. depression, yeah. turning to alcohol, and, and losing my son, Colin. Yeah. What would have been... I didn't turn to Jesus. Yeah. What would have been different? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But His name was Colin Andrew. Colin Andrew. And you've since named your children successively yeah. after him. Tell us I a did. little bit about my that. My next child, uh, Jacob, is Jacob Andrew. Yeah. And then my my last son, Jared, is you no know, Jacob Colin was first, and then yeah. Jared Andrew was second. Right. Yeah. And then um, uh, and like I mentioned to you earlier, we have um, Colin's name lives on through yeah. the foundation of his memory, and on his epitaph it says an inspiration to every life he touched. Yeah. And I think he has. Yeah. You know, I do. Uh, and I love his middle name you gave him and you gave to another son, I Andrew. Did. Because so, tell, tell that story. Which, which one, Pastor? About Andrew, about the God. Oh, yeah, Scotland sure. Uh, the, well, the reason he's not a J, every, every other child's a J name. Just start out with Joshua and Joshua Cade uh, from Cade's Cove in the Smoky yeah, Mountains. Yeah, I have a Cade, too, yeah. by the way. So we had that in connection. And both then, have Cades. Uh, yeah. Being a, I'm, I'm, Golf is what I do. Colin's a, Colin is a uh, Scottish name. Right. And um, Andrew, St. Andrew's is the birthplace of golf. Yeah. And um, Colin Andrew. It's beautiful. And he was going to be my little golfer. Yeah. And, um, but um, I'm just so fortunate that I was able to honor his memory the yeah. way we have. Yeah. And to, to do something has, in his name. How would you find healing? Has the Lord dealt with your pain with losing Colin? Have you... Been able to process that to Jesus. I didn't have that walk then. Yeah, but since the only walk I had then was with alcohol and and drugs, right? To mask the pain. Yeah. Now, I can I can see it clearly now through the walk with Jesus. Yeah. It's yes, yes, it's there. I mean, I I, I'm blessed that I can turn this over. Yeah. And I've been, you know, through 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 y'all's preachings and. You can't leave it at the cross. Yeah. So your struggle with guilt goes all the way back to 1971, the loss of your yes, friend. Yes, definitely. So the guilt had to be just like an overwhelming weight on your soul, huh? Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, when you're involved in someone losing their life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and you know that you've got, um, and you know you've got a, a mother. Yeah. That's been pained by this. Right. And she's hurting. I mean, hurting to the point that she would call me on the phone and call me a murderer. I've got to get the authorities in to have her quit calling. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I felt for her. Yeah. I didn't want that to happen. Right. You know, and, right. you know, it's just, this, yeah, the guilt is strong. As believers, you know, the promise in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You know, all that guilt that you were carrying alone for all these decades you can lay it down at the foot of the cross. Man, what what a gift from God to trade your guilt for it's, his peace. It's, it is amazing grace. Yeah, it is. I it, mean, it, it is. Yeah. It, it, that I can now have where to place it. I didn't before. Yeah, right. I placed it through chemicals and alcohol. Yeah. That was my way of putting it yeah. away. But it would always keep coming back. 
Yeah. Then you kept putting, you know, it's just a spiral. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're helpless. Yeah. I think we should take a moment, too, and focus on the conversation you had with Mike by chance. And some of our best conversations happen by chance, but I think they were divine. You're walking in your neighborhood on a normal Tuesday morning. You've had too much to drink already. And a neighbor happens to ask you the right question. And it changed the course of the rest of your life. It's it a, did. It's a powerful way that we can learn how our personal witness can impact somebody else's life by just showing compassion to somebody who's in pain. That is strong. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. It's uh, so strong. I'm thinking this is strong Yeah, that someone would come to me and ask me that question when I needed it asked. Yeah. I needed that question asked and I didn't know how to, you know, it's one thing when you're uh, in addiction, you, you don't know how to get help a lot of times. Yeah. You know, you're either in denial or you just don't know how. And I didn't know how. Yeah. Again, like I mentioned earlier, you're prideful. You you, you don't want the world to know your side, that dark side. Yeah. And I, 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 gave, I, I surrendered. Yeah. Uh, I was, it was like Jesus had come down through Mike and said, Jimmy, let's talk. Yeah. It's time. Well, yeah. uh, I would say that it, it was exactly that. You know, from your perspective, it's chance. Why would why would he offer exactly what I need, exactly when I need it? Yes. But Mike is a spirit-filled man of God. And when the Spirit of God gives you that unction to say, you need to ask this individual if they're all right, yeah. Mike was obedient enough to simply ask the question, are you okay? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times, you know, we'll be in the line at a grocery store and we, we're so distracted by our phones, we're so distracted by the busyness of our own life, we're so filled with other things that we miss that, that small nudge from the Holy Spirit to see that somebody right in front of you is really in need of that one question. Hmm. Are you really okay? So I'm thankful that Mike was paying attention to his surroundings and not so busy that he missed the great opportunity right in front of him. It's amazing what would have happened had I not met him. Yeah. There's a very good possibility I wouldn't be alive today. Because I I was really starting... This level of addiction was really going this way. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to interrupt if you don't mind, because mm-hmm. I see God's grace continually reaching out to you all through your life, Jimmy. I really do, especially with your friendship with RJ and, and his father. Um, so I would go as far as to say, even if you would have missed that opportunity with um, with Mike and, and you're down your street that morning, I think Jesus would still, he doesn't give up. He would continue. So I know I've been in that same shoe, you know, in those same shoes where like, hey, if I wouldn't have seen this, then I probably would have died. And there's a strong likelihood that those things are true. But Jesus keeps on keeping on, right? He continues to extend grace. He continues to place people around us. Man, he's so astounding with his love. It's amazing. The fact that you and, and Ronnie Attaway, RJ's father, knew each other so well, like it wasn't just like, oh, you had a working relationship. And I don't want to divulge too much here, but I, I, I mean, I know the relationship that you guys had was more than just like you provide trophies for my foundation occasionally. Like there was a real deep friendship between Strong. you guys. Yeah. Strong. Because Ronnie, um, God bless him. He's a war hero. Yeah. And um, what he did for this country. 
and the impact it did on his health. But he's in, he, he got help. Um, and the people who came back from Vietnam, a little lesson where they had, when they got there, how they were when they returned. Ronnie is an award-winning hero. And yet he's a good man. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way he treated my family, uh, unconditional. And, um, you know, RJ and Randy and, you know, the whole family. I think God works through people. That's no my doubt. only, that's no my doubt. only point. No you know, and you, you hear me say that often at Celebrate Recovery, that we'll come to faith as individuals, right? Well, yes. But we grow in the context of community. Because God works through people. And, and it's my hope that as I glorify Jesus Christ in my walk, that I can, people can come to me and they know they're going to hear the honest truth. They'll, maybe I can get them in the right direction. Yeah. Well, you're on the other side of that coin now, my friend. And, and sure. God is working through you for well, his glory and to reach other people. Well, you know, it's like when I go on Mondays and hear you, Pastor Al, and I've gotten to know Pastor Doug because you talk about him every week. Um, I said, this is wonderful what's going on here. This Celebrate Recovery and what you do is special. And and I know we glorify Jesus, but you're good too. And you too, Pastor. He's a good man, no doubt. You are too, Pastor well, Doug. Very grateful. And, um, and it's, you know, it's wonderful to be around good people and, and when we talked earlier you just had your ninth grandchild and yeah. you know it was uh you know it's it's great to see life moving on and uh, yeah. in a good way you right. know i'm blessed well jimmy i have loved having you on the podcast inspired when i read the story in the independent incredible but i do want to close it out with giving god glory <laughs> for your healing from prostate cancer because very few men your age ever get out of the woods so you were diagnosed five years yeah. ago? Well, what I have is um, I do have prostate cancer still. Yeah. I have what's called a – it's so important for our men out there to know what their PSA numbers are. Mine were creeping up to level six, and I got a, I got a biopsy, and it showed cancer. Immediately I get with my golf friends who I know mm -hmm. who've had – and I'm going to find the best doctor, and yeah. I did at Tulane Medical. And um, – uh, I have a Gleason score, which is called six, which is a low grade. I'm on what's called active surveillance. I get checked PSA every three months, MRI mm -hmm. once a year, and see an oncologist, tw my oncologist, Dr. Sarter, twice a year. And he told me this week, he said, Jimmy, I'm going to the Mayo Clinic. And it's wonderful how the people he's going to help up there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wonderful for, for them. And he said, Jimmy, I will find you a doctor to replace me. Yeah. And um, I've gotten to know him real well. And you get to know quality people, and, and there are a lot of good people out there. Yeah. And I, I'm just blessed to be, a, be around a lot of good people. Right. And, and you and Pastor Al are in that, in that category. So Jesus is not only healing your pain from the past and delivering you from addictions and saving your soul. He's also healing your body and your you know, whole oh, yes. person you know, from no, no inside doubt. out. Oh, it's, just a, it's a wonderful walk. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to get over addiction, yeah. and, I, and I'm proud of anybody that does. Right. But when you can get over addiction and find Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean, come on, that's the home yeah. run. I mean, that's something that's special, right. uh, to have that walk. And then truly understand, it's our mission on this planet to live our lives yeah. where we're actually walking as for Jesus in yeah, a way. There it is. You know, that we're, we're, we're representing Him. What would you tell a person that's watching today who is in the midst of addictions? What would you tell them the next step would be? 
I think first and foremost, they have to be honest with themselves. Okay. They have to say, hey, I've got a problem. Yeah. And then secondly, it's come to, tr- come to terms with it and, and maybe talk to a close family member because they're being impacted, I promise you. Yeah. And then from there, it's going to have to be professional help. Um, if you're, you're going to have to need some kind of intervention if you're on a strong drug like Xanax. I would have never done cold turkey again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then to find you a support group. Once you get, your, you get the baseline of getting well, yeah. then find the support that can keep you moving forward. Mm-hmm. There's no better support than the walk of Jesus Christ, I can tell you that. And when you have that hand in hand, yeah. um, I'm excited about it. Yes, I'm new, new being a newborn Christian of yeah. uh, over a year. Yeah. But I'm looking for new ways to be better. There it is, man. You know, I'm looking to find where can this take me? Yeah, God has big plans for your life. You know, Jimmy. where can I go that can touch a family that might change your life? Yeah. And and I've got work to do at home. I know I've hurt my wife and um she's a wonderful woman to have stepped by me and mm-hmm. and her name's Carol and for me to uh to keep her out of the equation would be yeah. not right. But when you are an addict, yeah. look at what you're doing to people you love. Yeah. And you're hurting family members and you're hurting yourself. And you're not seeing your full potential as a person. And like I said, it's criminal because it's robbing you of so much life. Yeah. And to find your life again and find this new walk is is a blessing. Man, you have inspired me today. And you've given lots of glory to the Lord Jesus, and he has done the work. Al, you want to wrap it up? Anything you want to say before we close out today? No, I'm just super proud of you, buddy. Thank you, you know, Pastor you're, Al. Uh, you're an inspiration, you know, standing up and sharing your testimony on Monday nights in front of others. You know, so many times people um, who come to celebrate recovery or individuals who even hear about and, and talk about celebrate recovery, they have a certain idea of what that individual should look like. Um, what their life should look like. And you obviously break that stereotype. Yes. And uh, and I think there's a whole lot of value in you being willing to be transparent before others that just because your life may look good and it may look like you have everything all working out um, on the outside, that you could still be very broken and have multiple layers of trauma. And uh, But there's hope. Even at 68 years of age, yes. you've managed to, to, to be a functioning addict for as long as you did. You've held it together the best you could for as long as you could. But eventually, the grace of God broke through your pride, and yeah. the result is what we have before us now. And that's an amazing thing. It it's is. peaceful. It is. It's peaceful. It is. It's a new me. Well, look, if you're watching today and you've been inspired by... This amazing story from Jimmy Hedrick, lo- local golf pro, a legend in Louisiana, whose greatest testimony now is the power of Jesus Christ. That same power is available for you. If you're carrying hurt, loss of a child, maybe some trauma that's still haunting you and you're dealing with it best you can, you don't have to do it alone. There's hope and there's help in the Lord Jesus today. We invite you to come on Monday night to celebrate recovery. Pastor Al is here, uh, Jimmy, and dozens of other believers who love the Lord Jesus and that have found their way to the cross. And of course, you don't, if you don't have a church, we encourage you to come visit Journey. Uh, we have two Sunday morning experiences, 8 and uh, to 8 
7.30 and 10 a.m. If you want to find out where we are, you can go to our website, jf.church. Also, download the Journey app from your app store. It's free. Uh, Go to your app store, type in Journey Fellowship Church in the search bar. You can download the app. It's loaded with resources and information, driving directions, how to find a small small group, how to get in touch with Pastor Al, uh, how to find out uh, more about CR, Celebrate Recovery. All those things are available we would love to welcome you into the fellowship here. So I am excited about your testimony, Jimmy, Pastor, all the work that's happening at CR and here at Journey. So on behalf of Journey Fellowship Church, I'm Doug McAllister, and you've been watching stories I didn't tell last Sunday.